Welcome into the Testudo Times podcast with your hosts, Sam Ostry and Ben Dixon. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to give you a full recap of the Maryland-Michigan game from this past Saturday. And then we're going to dive into Maryland-Michigan uh, State, which is going to be a, a, a 3.30 kickoff in College Park this Saturday. First, Ben, how are you? Doing great, Sam. Uh, great trip to Ann Arbor, which we'll get into. Uh, we were there in the building this past weekend at the big house. And, you know, really looking forward to this game this weekend against Michigan State. Really intriguing matchup. Uh, spreads a little interesting, but, you know, we'll get to that later in the episode. Ready to uh, put the Michigan game in the rearview mirror first, though. Yeah, and Maryland certainly has put in the rearview rear mirror, even though there's a lot to build on. And we'll get to all of that. We were in the big house. Uh, awesome environment. I've been to a few of them in the Big Ten. Of course, it's the, the biggest, you know, can fit the most amount of people. Been to Ohio State, been to Penn State. Michigan was probably the coolest stadium I've been to. Maybe not the best environment for that particular game, but certainly the coolest stadium. Um, great atmosphere. It was a four-quarter four game, so people really st- stayed till the very end. It was awesome to be there. Absolutely. Uh, the big house was indeed the big house. Uh, it doesn't look that intimidating from the outside because it's kind of built into the ground. Once you get in the press box, it, amazing press box, by the way, um, it, it really is just an amazing atmosphere. It's just a bowl of 110,000 people. It gets loud. Would have been interested to hear what it felt like uh, or excuse me, feel what it, you know, hear like the atmosphere on the field. Excuse me. Uh, Big House is putting me at a loss for words. But, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely, uh, you know, one of the best environments there is not only in, in college football, but North American sports. And we stopped by. uh uh, Fox noon kickoff before the game, a first class tailgating environment, first class stadium, first class program, all that. But let's get into the game. Um, so Maryland lost, of course, 27 to 34. They moved to three and one on the season, but there were a lot of positives to take away. You know, I don't think I've ever seen it's weird to say this, but I think this was Mike Lockley's best loss of his coaching tenure at Maryland. And it's rare that you see a lot of positive feedback and positive just every everyone was kind of not happy of course because everyone in that locker room is upset they lost but in terms of the fans and the feel around the program it felt like a step in the right direction Michigan in the previous six matchups had outscored Maryland by over 200 points I mean these games were never close because the gap between those two programs was so wide and something that you saw is that Maryland is closing that gap they're not there yet you know Michigan's the defending Big Ten champion the number four team in the entire country but when you can compete with someone, and they may not be that highly that ranked by the end of the year, but when you can compete with one of the best teams in the Big Ten year after year, and they finally showed that this season, you can see the gla- gap is closing. And I think that's why fans were were happy in a way in a loss that they really competed and had a chance to win. Hundred uh, percent. Coach Loxley said no moral victories after the game. That's not really our thing. But you can tell, you know, talking to the players after the game Saturday and talking to everyone yesterday uh, with, with the weekly media availabilities, the confidence in the building is really sky high after that Michigan game, because yeah, you lost, but look at the results of the past year, like past years, like you said, Sam, losing by, you know, over combined 200 points in, in the last six meetings, which is really unacceptable if you're going to compete in the big 10 East. Um, but Maryland, you know, took that step towards the next step. I kind of wrote, wrote that in, in my takeaways. It's not, you know, the epitome of the next step because you haven't beaten these teams, but they certainly closed the gap to only lose by a touchdown, uh, go toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe, excuse me, with the number four team in the country and the reigning Big Ten champions. Really just an impressive performance by Maryland in Ann Arbor. Um, it, it's crazy to say that they, they probably hurt themselves and they could have won the game given everything. We'll, we'll get into that in a bit. 
but uh, the, the positive sentiment from the pa- from the fans uh, is definitely understood after that game um, because no no one wants to see any more 50 point losses to you know the Michigans and the Ohio States of the Big Ten. This is the best team that Coach Loxley has had at Maryland, and you know he, he kind of proved that with the competitive loss at Michigan. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, Loxley always says, you know, it's not about what the other team does; it's about what we do. And and you know, sometimes you, like that that certainly is true, and it's a good message to send the team. Sometimes it's not entirely true. Sometimes the talent gap is so wide that it really doesn't matter what you do. The other team is so much better. This was a game where it really was about what Maryland did. They they, they were not overmatched in the trenches offensive play in any regard it did not look like they were overmatched and it really came down to a few mistakes that they made controllable things that that they certainly can control moving forward and and they kind of gave those up and allowed Michigan to take the game over and you kind of need to play almost a perfect game to beat a team like Michigan and they were close but they certainly didn't play a perfect game that's kind of why they lost so let's go uh like really just through the entire game, I guess. And we can start with the opening play of the game, which was one of those early blunders. Uh, Ty Felton is back to receive the opening kickoff, and the ball just goes right through his hands, smacks him on the helmet, fumble. Michigan recovers inside their 10. Next play later, it's a touchdown before the game even starts, really. It's Michigan leading 7-0. to um, But Maryland certainly recovered. At the end of the first quarter, the game was tied 10-10. So, when everyone saw that, I think it was like, oh, here's Maryland-Michigan again. It's going to be another 50-point blowout. But Maryland did a good job of staying resilient and battling back. Definitely. I think even when we saw that uh, in the press box, it was like, damn, we really drove, you know, eight-plus hours for nothing <laughs> to be in the big house. But, of course, you know, one of, one of the better Maryland losses that we've seen. Um, it, it's a little concerning, I think, at this point. Um, it might have been nerves, might have been whatever, but – uh, Ty Felton's second fumble as a kick returner in, in two games. Uh, I know he did have a good return against SMU as well, but the return game and special teams is also going to be, you know, it, you got to be perfect at all three facets of the game. And Maryland was pretty good on special teams given Chad Riles' performance Saturday, which we'll talk about, but you can't be turning the ball over and just spotting Michigan seven points. Like uh, Loxley said after the game on, on Saturday, the deficit was seven points and, you know, Michigan scored seven points seconds into the game after the fumble, and scored a touchdown in their first place from scrimmage. So stuff like that's going to be unacceptable um, when you're in, you know, a, a big time environment against one of those big teams. Regardless of if you commit zero penalties for the first 58 plus minutes, if you're just giving the ball away and, and, and giving the ball to Michigan inside your own 10, you're begging for them to, to put seven points on the board. And that's what the deficit was. However, uh, the response uh, by Maryland was really amazing. And, and I think somewhat unexpected by a lot of people given, you know, the comeback from adversity there. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, when, when you give, when you give a team like that, that caliber, seven points, a touchdown right off the bat, like, like you said, like they lost by seven points, you know, it's, it's really difficult to try, kind of try to recover and recuperate from that. And, you know, maybe from a mentality standpoint, it's like, all right, like this is already over. We're on the road against the top five team in the country. Before the game even started at 7-0, a lot of teams might just fold over. They did show a lot of resilience in that they didn't, and they battled back. And, you know, there was a few other plays that we'll get to that, that may have been a difference as well. But it's uh, it's it's tough. Um, it's tough when, you, when you're giving that up. And you said Ty Felton, you know, he did – he. He has struggled a little bit back there, but he he didn't go in immediately the next kickoff, but he did receive more reps um, as the game went on. But let's talk about how they battled back because um, Maryland's defense looked really strong, but and and they they started getting consistent stops. Uh, their especially their secondary group because JJ McCarthy 
who, you know, he's a young player. He doesn't have a ton of experience. He played well, but he didn't play super well where his deep ball was really off. And maybe that was off target. Maybe it was just because he was off target. Maybe it was because the uh, Maryland's cornerbacks, Ja'Korian Bennett, Tarheeb Still, the safety group, Bo Braid, um, Dante Trader, maybe they just did a great job in coverage. And I think that's part of it, where, where they kind of had – J.J. McCarthy might have overthrown some balls, but they did a great job in coverage back there. Yeah, it was the best game we've seen from this, you know, Maryland secondary that's kind of new this year. The cornerbacks are an experienced group, but when you bring in two new safeties who are who are starting, not bringing in, but two new starting safeties in, in Bo Braid and, and Dante Trader Jr., they're, that secondary is really coming together. And yes, J.J. McCarthy overthrew, I, I want to say, two or three deep balls where the, the touch wasn't great, and the secondary did get burned on, on one play. But overall, I mean, the secondary kept Maryland in the game. Um, the, the pass coverage was amazing. No matter, you know, how much time JJ McCarthy had that, uh, they were, they were locking down Michigan's receivers for a good part uh, of the game. Very good receivers on Michigan, by the way, uh, of course, but yeah, you gotta be impressed by the secondary. I I think defensively we were worried about, you know, the pass rush and is Brian Williams going to rush three all game. I I think you saw the Terps do it, do a good job mixing it up, uh, throwing Michigan, you know, off its game a little bit. And you got to give the defense a lot of credit because they could have easily walked in there and, and given up 50 points when the offense didn't give them a chance right away. And, and the offense had three turnovers. So the defense was on the field for a lot of the game. But you got to be impressed by, you know, not only the secondary, but the, the, the defensive effort at large, one that was shorthanded as well. Yeah. And, you know, and we talk about shorthanded. Ruben Hippolyte did not travel with the team linebacker. He's one of the leaders of that group and, and one of the best players in that in that front seven and let's get to that front seven because that's kind of where they struggled and we know that's always been the weaker part of of Maryland's defense you know they only had two sacks didn't have didn't put a ton of pressure on JJ McCarthy um you know the defense had a solid performance overall but it was more because of the secondary where they really struggled was stopping the run uh, Michigan's running back Blake Corum had 30 attempts for 243 yards and two touchdowns, including one late in the second half when the score was 10 to three in favor of Maryland, uh, excuse me, 13 to 10 in favor of Maryland. They could have walked into halftime with a lead, but with like 20 seconds left in that first half, um, Blake Corm explodes for like a 30 yard run around that. And Michigan takes the lead into halftime 17 to 13. So they really struggled stopping the run. And, you know, that's kind of been the thing for them all year is that front seven is, is, is the weaker link of the of the defense. And you kind of got like those two things go hand in hand. They make each other better when the pass rush and you're stopping the run. It makes it easier on the pass defense when when they're doing a good job in coverage. It makes it easier to get it to the quarterback. But really, it's it's been the pass rush and and that front seven that really struggled against the run that kind of gave Michigan life offensively. Yeah, I want to talk about that play toward the end of the second half because I think that's where Maryland really lost the game despite competing in the third and fourth quarter. You know, Michigan's got the ball fourth and one uh, right outside the red zone in in Maryland territory. And Maryland has three timeouts. And we talked to Ahmad McCullough yesterday, and and he told us there was some some miscommunication. The defense wasn't really set on that play. And Maryland didn't call a timeout uh, to end the half. And that really did it did hurt the Terps. Um, don't want to go in on on the decision too much, but you call a timeout, you get set. The odds of you, you know, allowing a, a big touchdown run on kind of a, a broken defense that's not really set up uh, for a play like that are significantly decreased. So that was a, a little disappointing to see there. And I, I think the offensive drive before that kind of set it up. The Terps didn't close the half well at all, and that's that's where they lost the game, in my opinion. But back to your point about the front seven, yeah, I mean. It, 
if Michigan State still had Kenneth Walker this upcoming weekend, it'd be a big concern because he's the guy that, you know, is even better than Blake Corum at Michigan. And Corum really did hurt the Terps. Um, Maryland, you know, had some timely stops, but but overall it was just, just couldn't stop the run for the majority of the game. Blake Corum was just getting what he wanted all day. Um, and it, it, it's something that's a little bit of a cause for concern for Maryland because we were worried about the front seven coming into the year and, and you face an elite competition in, in Michigan. They didn't really do anything to to settle those worries. Yeah, and you know, Jayshon Barham, the freshman, maybe the best player on that in that front seven from Maryland. And you know, when you have a freshman, like obviously he's very talented, he's going to be have a phenomenal college career. But when you have a freshman kind of leading the charge, you know, he's led led the team in tackles the last two games. Um, he had eight this past week against Michigan. When when he's kind of the best guy, and Ruben Hippolyte obviously is out. You know, he's a very productive player too maybe maybe the best guy maybe the best linebacker him and or at least the leader of that group but when you have a freshman kind of leading the charge there it's 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 kind of a struggle and you know they just don't have a lot of guys that are are nfl equipped nfl graded guys and just equipped guys that are going to be able to win the trent win in the battle of the trenches against some great offensive lines in the big Ten. right and it's it's not only Jay Sean Barham. I, I want to give a shout out to the freshman Caleb Wheatland as well, who's who's really contributing in that linebacker room. He was all over the field uh, Saturday, six total tackles, one tackle for loss. It's an inexperienced group. And if Wheatland and, and Barham don't ent- enter the transfer portal, like like we saw this past year with, with Maryland's linebackers, this linebacker group has a chance to be really good in the future, but it's kind of a situation without Ruben Hippolyte, the guy they look to as the leader, where they're going to need to grow up fast here in, in Big Ten play. Yeah, so you you talk about that play, and that's a play that everyone's going to look at um, defensively when they give give up that big run late in the in the first half, and you know, kind of all the momentum is on Michigan's side. Even though it was a it was a zero zero third quarter, there were no points by either team in the third quarter. So Maryland's defense did held, held up, hold up. But I thought it was an all around like good defensive performance against you know a young quarterback, but a really talented quarterback and a really good offense. Again, number number four team in the entire country, according to the AP. So I just thought it was, I thought it was a solid defensive performance, even if they weren't good enough where they could stop the run and eventually lost. Like, how would you grade the defense overall? Right. I, I tweeted during the game it, and the sentiment remains true. And I think Maryland fans can agree with this. You were down seven points or possession in the fourth quarter on the road against the number four team in the country when you've been losing by 60, 50, 40 points to teams like this in the past. It's all they could ask for. And I think you got to give the defensive performance a lot of credit to put a letter grade on it. Um, not necessarily sure, but it, I mean, it's at least a B. The, the, the defense did good enough to, to win that game. It wasn't the defense that lost the game at Michigan. It was, you know, kind of these timely turnovers. And, and we'll get into the offensive performance and, you know, the turnover to begin the game as well. Maryland did shoot itself in the foot a little bit. It's crazy to say when you're on the road against the number four team in the country, and we're talking about Maryland football, but they really had an opportunity to win this game, and, and they made some mistakes. Yeah, that's what we said at the top. You know, it really, it really did come down to the things Maryland could have done better that they had control over when they shot themselves. When they shoot yourself in the foot against the top five team in the country, you're just not going to win the game. But it really didn't. It wasn't about anything Michigan did. It really was about what Maryland did. But let's get to the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, again, ha- had a solid performance, but they left a bunch of points on the board. And let's start with Talia Tagovailoa. He was 20 for 30 for 207 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And we will talk about both of those interceptions. But he also was really banged up. He, t- um, he had a knee injury, supposedly, we believe, before the game even started. But he took some 
hard hits in that game. And then he took a really tough one right to his rib cage. Um, and you know, he's yesterday, he, he's technically a game time decision, but yesterday he said he's a hundred percent. So we all expect him to play this week against Michigan state, but he did take some, some, some tough hits, but he didn't want to come out of the game. Eventually he was pulled from the game according to Loxley because he was banged up on that last, on that very last drive when the game was over anyway. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. I thought he had a pretty good game. There, let's get to the two interceptions though. First one's in the second quarter. Um, he throws the ball over the middle of the field. It wasn't a cat. It wasn't an interception. There's really no other way to put it other than every angle that's shown in the replay. The ball did not hit the ground. I asked Loxley about it after the game. And he said, I was like, was there an explanation why that wasn't reviewed? He said, you know, you kind of have to call a timeout and there needs to be like a stoppage for that to be reviewed. And he said his people up top said they thought it was an interception. So there really wasn't anything to look at. But when you watch that play in slow-mo on replay, it's pretty clear. And we know Maryland fans know it because they've probably watched it a hundred times. It was not interception at all. Before I talk about the interceptions, you talk about Tulia getting banged up. I just want to subside that worry for the listeners a little bit. Loxley did say it's a game day decision. He was practicing yesterday, looked completely fine, had a little bit of a brace on his knee, but I would expect him to be good to go there. To the interceptions, um, I don't think either of them were catches, Sam. I think if, if you put them in slow motion, you can see that the ball hit the ground on, on both picks. However, the they were interceptions. I I don't think – like. It's not like you could have said like, oh, like it, it was it was a good play by Talia, like great interception by Michigan. I think both of them, even though they were they kind of hit the ground, were, were kind of his fault as well, especially the second one. Where- yeah, well, the, the first one's a little different. That's why I was starting with the first one, because, you know, that like, yes, it, it wasn't like locks after the game talked about it wasn't a great route either, but it also wasn't a very good throw by Talia. And he, he probably shouldn't have thrown it. But that one was a very hard interception and he didn't yeah. intercept it. Clearly, like that one was way more clear that it was not an interception or shouldn't have been. Um, but I don't really have as much of a problem with that one as I do with the second one, which yeah. we can get to in a little bit. Unless you want to talk about the second one right now. No, I, I agree on, on the first one. I think the first one was more so just, you know, flow the game, made a throw into coverage, and, and it is what it is. But I mean, yeah, we I think we should talk about the second one. They yeah, were, well, that, yeah, it was just, they were down. It, it was, it was a boneheaded decision. That, it was that, an, it was an egregious play. And, and you could, he'll never make excuses, but you could because he really was like that was after the hit that he took. He obviously was banged up. Um, it was an egregious interception. He threw right into double coverage on the right sideline. There was just no reason to throw that ball. And um, it was a game, it was a potential game winning drive or game tying, I believe. I mean, yeah, it was game tying. They trailed by down, eight. At, down eight, yeah. Yeah. So they, if they scored a touchdown, two point conversion, that ties the game. So it was well, in a was- really crucial spot. Just a boneheaded pass. It was it was second and four at, at your own thirty-one. Um, you know, second play of the drive. You, you can't you can't be making plays like that, throwing it into to the double coverage uh, in that situation in the game. I think part of it, though, I, I don't think Maryland did a, a good enough job establishing the run throughout the game um, because I think there were there were times where it was working. Uh, Roman Hemby didn't, didn't have his best game, but, but Antoine Littleton, you know, the, the, the strong power back was, uh, was playing well as well. I, I think it, it's a product of that. Yes. It, it's a bonehead decision, but I would have second and four wouldn't have, you know, I don't know if I love the deep shot down the sideline into double coverage in that opportunity. I get that second and long might be a good time to take a shot, but when you're down eight against the top five team on the road and the run was working, you know, every now and then, don't like the play call. Don't like the decision. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, I think it's more about the decision. Like, like maybe you take you you plan to take that shot, 
But when you look back and, and you see it. his double coverage and the safety was coming over, like it was so it was so obvious to, to everyone almost. It felt like you, it's just like you can't throw that ball and he knows it and he's he admitted it and the whole move on. Yeah, gotta move on from it. But these it's like we see the best of, of Talia in this uh in, in excuse me. Um <clears throat> sorry You're about right that. there. <laughs> I got a got a little something stuck in my throat, but um you, you right, I'll, I'll take over while, while you go. The other thing about Talia, though, coming in is is into this game. You know, the one thing is we've seen him be great against some not some lesser opponents, but I really want to see him be great against good, against high quality Big Ten opponents. And yes, he threw that interception, which was two interceptions, one which was really egregious, which we just talked about. But I thought he had a very solid game overall. Um, you know, he found his weapons. He found Rakim Jared. He found Jacob Copeland. His tight ends. Both Corey Deitches and C.J. Dupree have, have become solid options for him. Um, Dante Demas has still not got going really at all. You know, maybe that maybe that's an injury thing. I don't. Maybe it's a mental thing. Who knows exactly? But I thought Talia played really solid overall, and I was impressed by his overall performance, especially given that he took some shots and, and came back in the game. Hundred percent. As I was saying, sorry about that. I don't know what's happening there, but. Um... You know, we see the best and the worst of, of Tugavello in these games. The the play on third and long deep in Michigan territory where he kind of went outside the pocket and dove for the first down to set up a touchdown was really just unbelievable. Heads up, smart play, staying poised. But also you see the decision he made, like that interception, and you're like, what is he doing? He's got to, you know, continue to be smart with the ball, make the right decision to the quarterback. and Because he is he is really, really talented and, and just a, a really good quarterback. When he But when he makes these decisions – it hurts him. It hurts the team. And, you know, we can't really expect a, a win of, of Maryland against this top competition if he's making, you know, throws into double coverage in, in a one possession game. But Maryland was really right there, believe it or not. Like, and it's it's kind of crazy to say this after the game, but they were right there. The game was there for the taking and just kind of some some obviously the turnover at the beginning of the game hurt. But we need to see, you know, smart decision making out of Talia, you know, hundred percent of the time as opposed to, you know, 85, 90%. Yeah. And it is interesting that, you know, before the season, you wouldn't even think about the running game um, being like a, like a really contributing factor to the success of the offense, but they really are important. You know, if this team can establish the run early and often it's really going to help. And like you said, they did not have a super effective rushing day, only 128 yards. And it wasn't Roman Hemby's best performance, 16 attempts for 48 yards. His longest was three, but you know, I do, but I do think that it's really important for them to not abandon the run, even if it's not working necessarily, because it does relieve a lot of pressure off Talia. Um, and you know, Talia, he, like you said, when he picked that up, picked up that first down with his legs, he's done a great job of knowing when to escape the pocket and eluding eluding pass rushers this season. But speaking of the run game and the pass game, um, I do think it's worth mentioning the offensive line performance because I thought it was their best performance of the day. And, and one thing we, we have to talk about because of how much we talked about it last week was the penalties. Maryland 15 penalties last week. Um, a lot of just boneheaded penalties, discipline issues, um, false starts, holding. A lot of them were on the offensive line. They only had one this week against Michigan. So that was a quick turnaround. And Loxley heard the noise. We talked about the tactics that he did. I wrote a little story on the, the tactics he used to kind of address the penalty problem showing his guys a montage of everything people were saying about the program and how undisciplined they were. But he really reversed that quickly. They only had one penalty, and, and he was asked about it yesterday, and he was like, I punished my kids. It's that simple. I punished them, and, and they obviously got the message. But that goes into my point about the offensive line, is that that was their best game 
pass production, obviously the running game wasn't its best game, but run protection, Maryland's offensive line was phenomenal against Michigan. Yeah, and it's not only the penalties, and you think about the one penalty that happened, really a meaningless penalty. It was on that Billy Edwards drive to bring it to, you know, a seven-point game, and you'd have to recover the onside kick. Anyways, for 58-plus minutes, they didn't record a penalty. Just the team discipline, unbelievable in the big picture of things. But offensive line-wise, it is it is, you know, in the past when Maryland was getting destroyed by these teams, part of it was that, you know, they'd get dominated in the trenches, both both on the offensive and defensive line. But the offensive line, especially on um, on Saturday, excuse me, to give Talia, you know, he had some he had a lot of time on some of these plays. And, and you know, part of it was the wide receivers not getting separation. But Talia had some time to, to make stuff happen. And, and obviously, you know, the play where he made it happen with his legs uh, helped, you know, showed both sides of, of the ball there. Um, but for Talia, you know, to have that time is so important. And to do it against a Michigan defensive line that, you know, is one of the ta- most talented in the entire country, it's a really good sign of things to come. And, you know, we expected this of the offensive line to, to re- or not expected, but hope for when you return all five starters, you know, you really hope you have that consistency on the line, uh, not only returning five starters, but Talia returning two. There's communication all around on the offense and that chemistry from year to year should help against these elite teams when it comes to pass protection and giving Talia time. And we saw that Saturday and you can only hope it continues. Yeah, absolutely. And and if they're going to have a huge test, you know, Michigan's a good pass rush too, but they're going to have a huge test against a Michigan State team that gets to the quarterback. And we'll get to that in a minute. But let's go big picture here uh, for a second, because I think this game completely has changed the outlook of the season for Maryland moving forward among fans, among uh, national media. I think everyone, you know, before the season was kind of like, Okay, seven and five would be an improvement. Obviously, you expect them to be bowl eligible, which is a minimum of six wins. But this feels like that was a, that was one of the best teams in the Big Ten. This feels like this team could win eight games now. And obviously, it's a week to week thing. It's it's still hard to win football games. But this feels like when you look at the rest of their schedule, when they have Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, Rutgers, um, Michigan State this weekend. You know, it only it feels like the only surefire loss you could say is is ohio state and then maybe even penn state and the rest in all those other games they're going to be favored they're a big favorite against against michigan state state again they'll be dogs against oh yeah yeah i forgot i forgot about wisconsin yeah wisconsin's wisconsin's the three that people i think that they'll be underdogs in wisconsin penn state and ohio state but the rest of those games they're going to be favored in and they're going to be expected to win them so it kind of switches the outlook of of how far this team could go in terms of wins and in terms of what bowl game they might be placed in right i mean the, the goal has got to be eight and four at this point uh you look at the schedule in in october as crazy it is to say and i don't want to get ahead of myself because this is every you know september to october it seems like with maryland but Maryland is going to be favored in every single game in October. They're favored by more than a touchdown against Michigan State. They're going to be favored against Purdue at home. At Indiana, who's terrible, they're going to be favored. And hosting Northwestern, who's terrible, they're going to be significant favorites as well. So, I mean, are we looking at a 7-1 record after, you know, October? It would be a disappointment, I mean, at the base, if you're not at least bowl eligible going into November, that'd be a major problem. But we could be looking at at seven and one, which is crazy. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And I think Saturday is a really, really dangerous game. And the spread's a little, you know, befuddling to me. And we'll get into Michigan State when we get into it. But big picture wise, the expectations for this team are, are kind of crazy. Yeah. And look, you have to build on that. Like, great. You have a great loss to Michigan. And the reason why it's looked at as a great loss is because 
you know, that was the top team in the country and you showed you can compete and you showed that you should be able towards the top, obviously not top two or because Ohio State's in the conference, Penn State's in the conference and Michigan's in the conference, but towards the top of the Big Ten East. And, and the expectation now is for the rest of the season that you'll be able to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and compete and maybe even knock off some teams that you're going to be underdogs against because you had a shot against Michigan. So if you don't build on it, it means essentially, it means nothing really. But the point is that, that they've showed that they have the talent to compete with these teams. Can they put it together is the question. It's the big question and one that, you know, remains to be answered. Like, like I said, September to October has been a big, you know, difference for this team in, in past years. And we will see. I think Saturday will, will be the game that really tells us a lot about this team. Yes, last Saturday against Michigan did. Yes, you can compete with the big boys. You have to build off it, like you just said, Sam. Exactly. And perfect segue. Let's get to Saturday. Um, Maryland or Michigan State is coming into Maryland for 3.30 kickoff, another Big Ten East battle, another team that's normally towards the top of the Big Ten East. Um, they've been a great team the last few years. They've had their way against Maryland in, in some recent years. Uh, Mel Tucker is their coach. He signed a huge, almost $100 million contract for like nine years, I believe, maybe 10 years. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's considered a great coach, and that contract proves it. But this Michigan State team is struggling. And that gets to the to the line, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Maryland, as we record this podcast right now, is favored by eight and a half, which I think is a shock to many. Two weeks ago, even if you said Maryland would be favored at all against Michigan State, that would kind of be a, a huge surprise. Now favored by eight and a half, the over-under at 60 and a half, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. It's really a surprise, and it's, it feels like almost like a trap um, for Michigan State, but Let's talk about it. Michigan State has struggled. They're two and two right now. They got they played two bad teams in the first two games of the season, easily beat both of them. And then they went to Washington on the road as underdogs, and they were getting destroyed in that game. They kind of came back and ended up losing by I think eleven or so. And then last week, um they they play Minnesota and they just get destroyed. But the thing about it is those are two really good teams. Right now, Washington and Minnesota are both ranked in the top 25, according to the AP poll. So those are really good teams. But what's your outlook on this Maryland-Michigan game? I'm yeah, Michigan we'll State in, game. We'll get into the line a, a bit later, but I think it's it's probably about as big of an overreaction you can get in week five, given you know the four-game sample. But Michigan State, like you said, Washington on the road is a really difficult game. I get they got killed, and I get – you know, the current situation then, or the situation then, excuse me, I think Michigan State was 11 in the country, Washington was unranked, and they just got their butts kicked. Um, but Minnesota at home, I know Minnesota's a good team. They're probably, you know, the best team in the Big Ten West right now in my eyes. But to, to really get embarrassed at home is very concerning. I know they're dealing with some injuries on, on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, but it just – they got completely dominated at home against against Minnesota. And I don't think that's the true outlook of this Michigan state team. And we'll see an angry and, and more prepared Michigan state team coming into Maryland, but it, it is, you know, this team is kind of a major question mark to me, despite the fact that, you know, they had two pretty much uncompetitive losses to the top 25 teams. I don't think they're, they're that bad though. I think this is still a, a pretty solid Michigan state team, but last week's result is really the one that that pops out to me as, you know, if, if you lose to Maryland this week after getting destroyed at by Minnesota at home, things could really spiral out of control. So this is about as must win of a get of a game it is for Michigan State. And I think we'll see, you know, the desperate version of the Spartans coming. Yeah, which is why it's kind of surprising um 
the kind of the reaction to it because this is a really it's a still a good Michigan State team and it's a desperate Michigan State team. You can't lose two games in I mean three games in a row. And not only have they lost those past two games, they really killed those past two games. So this is a this is a desperate Michigan State team and it's going to be tough um, for for Maryland even at home. Three thirty kick. You expect that you know given that there's expectation around this program now, the, um, how they almost beat Michigan, you expect that it's going to be a packed house at, at the show. And first game debuting CQ, CQ Stadium, maybe that'll bring some buzz. Probably not, but but uh, you kind of expect that there's going to be um, a good atmosphere, good environment, but it's going to be a hungry Michigan State team. Let's talk about what they do well. Let's talk about the offense side of the ball first. They really rely on their pass game. Uh, their quarterback, Peyton Thorne, he's thrown for 900 yards and seven touchdowns in, in four games so far this season. Last year when he played Maryland, he lit Maryland up for, I believe, around 250-something yards. Um, he's a really good player, but they really rely on the ball being in his hands, and they have virtually no run game. I mean, the run game has really struggled. They've been dealing with some injuries on the offensive line. But their run game has really struggled so far this season. So what's going to be the big test uh, for Maryland's defense? I mean, you look at this offense as a whole, it's it's the 12th best offense in the Big Ten right now. It hasn't been good. And you talk about the run game. Yeah, Michigan State's a little bit lost without Kenneth Walker, who was seen by some as you know their running back last year as maybe the best player in the country. And now that he's not around, there's a lot of question marks about this Michigan State offense. Peyton Thorne, yes, good experienced quarterback. Jaden Reed is, is a really great receiver who hasn't really exploded yet this season. But, the, you know, I think this could be a game where we see their offense start together. I know Reed was was a little hurt. Uh, he gave it a go against Minnesota, only four receptions for 21 yards. Maybe he's getting fully healthy now against, against Maryland. Um, but, yeah, they're relying on Thorne. And, you know, they relied on Thorne last game, and he was terrible against Minnesota. That, it just is what it is. 17 for 24, only 132 yards, threw two picks. Um, his rating was around 100. Um, just he, you know, we've seen the good from him. You know, he, I think he was really good when Michigan State beat Maryland last year um, in, in that game in East Lansing. But now, you know, given the state of the Michigan State offense, they need Peyton Thorne, right? He's he's a junior now. He's not, you know, new to the offense. He understands, you know, Mel Tucker's system. He understands the offense that, that's at Michigan State. He needs to figure it out, and he needs to figure it out now, or this season's really going to go out of control for Michigan State. Um, I, from my standpoint, I wouldn't expect, you know, another dud offensively. I just think they're they're too talented, even without Kenneth Walker. But I think, you know, given the fact that we're, they're without Kenneth Walker this year and, and you know, the running game – hasn't really been too existent they still got some things to figure out yeah this does feel like a must win for michigan state because you're right if if they lose this game that's three losses in a row it feels like their season's just going to spiral completely out of control which is which is tough puts maryland in a tough spot is kind of they're not riding high but just in terms of the line the expectation that they should be winning this game it kind of is a reverse from from what you thought it would be uh a few weeks ago because if you said maryland was favored and michigan state would be off two straight losses and almost had beat michigan the week before i think a lot of people would be shocked but let's talk about michigan state's defense um they do struggle defensively that they give up a ton of points maryland's offense and talia tagavaloa specifically should have be able to move the ball they move the ball against michigan they certainly should be able to move the goal ball against michigan state but the strong part of their defense is getting to the quarterback they're tied for first in the big 10 in sacks so they do a good job of putting pressure on the quarterback and and getting to him so it's going to be a huge test for maryland's offensive line which is coming off its best game of the season that we talked about but here here it is another great test for them against a good pass rush 
But other, other than that, Michigan State gives up a ton of points. I don't really see Maryland having any trouble moving the ball. They should be able to establish the run early and then just find the weapons as they did against Michigan. But it's just you can't turn the ball over. It's a game you need to win the turnover margin. I think that's going to be so important. I think really that's one of the keys is Tilly cannot throw boneheaded picks. You can't have uh, careless fumbles. It's a game you need to win the turnover margin and can't give Michigan State's offense more opportunities. But I don't see Michigan State's defense uh, being able to get consistent stops against Maryland's offense. Yeah, Michigan State's defense is pretty two-sided. You know, mo- tied for the most sacks in the Big Ten, but then you look at the interceptions, they don't have one yet this year. So something's got to give here for, for, you know, this game. I think Maryland, like you said, will have no problem moving the ball against Michigan State. I think just what we've seen – from them as a team so far, getting decimated by, you know, Minnesota and Washington teams that aren't necessarily offensive powerhouses and to have the 11th best total defense in the big 10, even when I think, you know, they had a shutout against, against Akron uh, in one of their games this year to still have, you know, the number 11 defense in the big 10 is pretty telling. I don't think Maryland will have any issue moving the ball against Michigan state. I, I think this is the game not to get into Maryland's offense too much, but I think this is a game where we could see, you know, Dante Demas really come through. It, it kind of, I, I mean, we can get into it if you want, Sam, but he really, you know, this receiver room, big picture wise, hasn't really been the number three receiving room that we've seen so far. I think Michigan State defense provides a good opportunity for that. Uh, starting safety, safety, Xavier Henderson, really good player, has been hurt. Uh, linebacker Darius Snow is out for the year. So this is a decimated Michigan State defense and one where I, I think on the flip side of that, we need to see Maryland star players really start to explode here and, you know, bring them to the offense that they should be moving forward in the heart of Big Ten play. Yeah, you just went through the injuries there. And, and you know, like you said, it's it's an injured Michigan State defense, which is why they should be able to move the ball well. I do agree with you. The, the receiving room has not been what it was touted to be before the season, which is one of the best in the Big Ten and really the best in the entire country. Um you know, I think part of that is defensive coverages. You know, they're keying in so much on like Rakim Jared and, and maybe he's having a, a tough time getting open. And also it's partly that they have so many other weapons too. Like the run game has been successful. So they're, they're running the ball more than I think people might have thought. When those other guys are covered on the white wide outs, Talia has found his his tight ends as, as that solid options and he's like throwing to them so far. Um, you know, Jacob Copeland has been has been on and off. He had a good game against Michigan, though. Same thing with Deshaun Jones. But yeah, I mean, when you talk about Dante, it's it's hard to talk about because he is the alpha in the receiver room. He's was the best receiver on the team last year in terms of production before he got injured. It felt like he would be the same this year. I don't know if it's an injury thing, a mental thing. He had that one bad drop against uh, against SMU two weeks ago that just was in his hands. It's a routine catch that he would make all the time, and he he just dropped it. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. It's hard. You can't really pinpoint something with him because he is coming off a brutal injury and he probably would, if he didn't have that injury, he'd probably be in the NFL right now. Yeah. It's still, it's still less than a year ago. This injury happened. So it's still crazy to to think of that. And you can't really fault the guy. Um, So, so it's hard to say if he's going to have that breakout game anytime soon. Right. I mean, I will say for the listeners yesterday at practice did make a great play, almost ran over the guy with with the noodle trying to hit him and came to the end zone. And he kind of looked over to the media and was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm get, he said something so like I got my Twitch back. That's got his sure. Twitch backs. So yeah, good, 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 good on you for remembering that quote, Sam. I did not, but um, maybe that's a sign of things to come. Who knows? But you know, for for him to even say that, yes, he could be a hundred percent healthy, but he's not a hundred percent Dante Demas. That the explosion, I think, will come back at some point, and it's not something to worry about. But it is, it is something to, you know to note here, given the fact that 
he was Maryland's, you know, best receiver last year. And he was, he's a bona fide NFL guy and people were expecting him to be this year. And there's still a lot of time to change that narrative. And, and I think, you know, I think it's something that everyone sees. I don't think people are really addressing it so much because he is coming off a difficult injury and it's hard to know what's in his head, what, what his body's feeling. Um, you know, he obviously, he hasn't had big games, so he's not talking to the media uh, so much. So it's hard to know um, exactly what he's, what he, what he's going, might be going through right now. But if that big game comes, you know, it'll come. And, you know, he, he came back for a reason and he st- still knows he has something to prove because it's off to the NFL after this. So um, he has to kind of, for his own sake and his own career moving forward, he, he knows he needs to be more productive. Um, all doubt. right, well, let's, should we get to predictions? Is there anything else from the Michigan State matchup we want to talk about? Um, not specifically. I, th- I think uh, we kind of went into it all about, about the defense, those injuries. The fact that the defense is pretty vulnerable right now could be a really good game for Maryland to explode. But I also think we can't forget this is kind of, you know, must-win mentality for Michigan State because they still have Ohio State in the schedule, they still have Wisconsin on the schedule, they still have Michigan, and they still have Penn State on the schedule. So if you lose to Maryland, um, which, you know, they're expected to do, that season can get out of control. So I, th- I think we'll see the desperate Spartans this week. But, yeah, let's get into predictions. Yeah, so I think I, I, I think there's just a huge overcorrection on the line. I agree. Um, I thought it would be around the pick em. I was way off, like maybe a field goal max in Maryland's favor. I didn't think Michigan State would be favored. But I think there's a huge overcorrection on base of what Maryland almost did and what they showed against Michigan and just how um, Michigan State has just been destroyed the last the last couple of weeks against, again, very good opponents. And Maryland's a very good opponent, too. Like They're right, hovering right around that 25 mark in most polls that we've seen. Um, some some in terms of like production, when you put all these polls together, you know, they're right around 25, 30, some, somewhere in that range. So they're right there, too. It's a very good team. Don't don't get anyone wrong there, but I don't know. There, there seems like an overcorrection in in the eight and a half. That seems like a way too big spread for Maryland at home um, against against a banged up but struggling but motivated Michigan State team. I agree. Like I said, it's kind of as as much of an overreaction in Week Five as you can get given the the four game sample size. Michigan State has been tested. Maryland's been tested. And I, I think the line might be an indication of the fact that, you know, these analytical models love Maryland. I think Maryland's 25 and S&P plus on, on ESPN. Um, the expected numbers for Michigan didn't match up with, you know, what happened. I think Maryland was only expected to turn the ball over like 0.5 times and they turned it over three. I don't know. I'm not a big analytic guy. I'm not going to get into that. But I think that's part of why, you know, these lines love Maryland. And I think something that's a little, you know, bit concerning as, you know, if if you're on the Maryland fan side, is that the line has moved significantly in favor of Maryland? What did it open at six and a half, seven, and it's already up yeah. to eight. eight and a half. Yeah, that's what it opened at. It's at eight and a half now. It is. It is really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into predictions. You want to go first, or yeah, yeah, I can go first. Um, you know, I think it really has benefited Maryland's Maryland's schedule so far this season. Um, they won an ugly game against SMU that they really shouldn't have won because they did not play well enough to win. Again, 15 penalties, a bunch of other things. Dante Dimas drop. You know, that you can name a slew of things that they just should not have won that game. They let their wide receiver explode for like 150 plus yards. They really shouldn't have won that game, but they won ugly. They showed that. They showed that they could make a ton of mistakes against Michigan, against one of the best teams in the country, and still have a chance to win it at the end. Um, you know, Maryland's not going to fumble the opening kickoff against Michigan State and give them an easy seven points. I think Talia has learned from from that interception, and you don't expect to see him see him make a boneheaded play that late in the game. I think Maryland's schedule and then um, 
the, their body of work has really put them in a good position to to beat Michigan State. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, we didn't talk about the weather. That is something to talk about, which you mentioned at the top. Um, it's supposed to. I don't. I don't like. It, we're not weather people, but <laughs> the models. But we'll, we'll go into the weather models, I guess. Um, they're supposed to. Uh, it's supposed to be heavy rain at kickoff for three thirty on Saturday. It's all the rain coming up from from Hurricane Ian, I guess. And so it's supposed to be a really tough conditions to play. And I don't like it's just supposed to rain and probably a ton of wind. Um, who knows if that'll change in the next two or three days? It certainly might. But as of now, Wednesday afternoon recording this, it's it's supposed to be really rainy. That's going to favor a heavy running game. You're not going to be able to throw those deep balls a lot. And that favors Maryland. That really does favor Maryland because Michigan State does not have the rushing attack that Maryland has. They don't have the running quarterback that Maryland has, even though they have a good quarterback too. I think that favors Maryland. All that to say, um, I think it's going to be a, a great game. I think Maryland wins by a field goal, 30-27. to 27. Um, You know, Maryland Maryland's still something to prove out there. You know, almost beating Michigan isn't beating Michigan. They still have something to prove that they can beat the historically top teams in the Big Ten East, which is Penn State, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan, which they almost almost did. They showed they can compete with them, and then it's Michigan State. That's the one. That's the easiest win out of those four this season, and it starts this weekend. And I think they win by. I think they win by a field goal. Yeah, um, I agree with you on the rain. I think if, if anything, it might favor Maryland a little bit. They've proven they can be versatile in you know the run game and the pass game. Um, I think at home, uh, maybe the rain will. will limit the crowd a little bit i think we might see maybe better crowd than smu uh hard to to say right now yeah i think um, normally it would be if it's really pouring i don't necessarily know that's going to be the case but normally i think it would be yeah we i mean we'll see i mean we're not like you said we're not weather guys it's still a few days away um so we don't know what uh what, what college park's going to get hit with but you know the spread at eight and a half i think i like michigan state covering but i like maryland winning the game but michigan state covering not by much I think we'll see, you know, NFL Ryland to make his impact again, some touchbacks. Maybe the wind help him, helps him a little bit. I think we'll see a few field goals. And I think we'll see a few touchdowns from Maryland as well. I think Talia has a much, you know, cleaner game decision-making-wise. No turnovers, a few touchdowns. Roman Hemby gets going a little bit. I'm going to go Maryland 36, uh, Michigan State 28. So I'm going to go Michigan State covering by half a point. Um, I like that's, the high, that's a high scoring game for some for some rain conditions. Yeah, but Michigan State defense uh, worries me a little bit. Not Maryland defense hasn't been. You, the over, we said at the beginning the over is sixty and a half, so you have the over hitting as well. Over hitting as well. It's the lowest over of the year for for Maryland game, by yep. the way. Um, it, it is, and uh, part part of that might be the weather. Part of that, you know, I don't, I can't really see it being the defense. Michigan State's defense has not been good, right? So it's it's kind of questionable, but I don't know. Yeah, but Maryland's defense hasn't necessarily been phenomenal either. Even though they had a good game against Michigan, still gave up, you know, twenty-seven. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm questioning why the over/under is so low. Yeah, yeah, I'm questioning as well, which is why I'm taking the over. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like Michigan State keep it within a possession. Um, I like Maryland by eight, thirty-six, twenty-eight over hitting there. I just want to say, I mean, I, I don't think this would have been my prediction at the beginning of the season. Maybe some of it has to do with how Michigan State's playing, but I, I still respect them as a team. I think it more so has to do with what we've seen from Maryland, especially last week. Um, this team proved it can compete with the best in the conference. And, you know, Michigan State, maybe Michigan State's, you know, better than them. Maybe they're not, but the the eight and a half spread indicates that they are. Uh, and the results do thus far. I, I like Maryland kind of making their mark here. Um Big game at home, uh, I, I think a statement game. I think Maryland improves to 4-1, and one, wins by possession. 
but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I haven't gotten a, a prediction exactly right since my uh, my Maryland Charlotte one. I was way off on the on the score. Yeah, there will never be a podcast that you don't yeah. doubt that. <laughs> Got it. Um, I mean, we need to put some some validity to our picks here. We're not just we're not just throwing them out for. for fun. Yeah, I, I I I'm pretty sure mine was. Um, I had I had Maryland losing by ten against Michigan last week. Yeah, I, I was forty to twenty seven. Oh yeah, mine was no no no. I think I had 37 to 27. I was pretty close. You were close. You were I think close. I had Maryland scoring the exact amount of points they did. It was a little off on Michigan. Yeah, you um, were you were close. It was it was it was a sharp call. I think I let history affect my pick too much and, and it showed on Saturday. Yeah. So maybe this Maryland team's different. We'll 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 see more of that Saturday if uh, whether or not that statement proves to be true. So yeah, so you wait, so say yours again. Do you have 30 36 28? 36-28 Maryland, and I have 30-27 to 27 Maryland. I don't know if it's going to be a Chad Ryland game-winning field goal. It might be. It might depend on the weather, but I do think it's a, it's a field goal game. I, I think this line is ridiculous. I don't know how it's 8.5. I think most of the money will be on Michigan State, but I think Maryland is, you know, it's just it's hard to pick against Maryland right now given what we've seen from them so far this season and then on the counter, what we've seen from Michigan State. Um, I think Maryland is the more talented team as it stands right now. They're at home. Um, I'm, it's another going to be another tough, great game. It's going to come down to the end of the fourth quarter, but I got Maryland winning by a field goal. Really dangerous game, though, I will say. Weather and everything. Really, yep. And Michigan, this is still a preseason top 15 team in the country, um, yeah. even even if they're not that. Still Michigan State, brand name school, you know, high expectations coming to the year. So we will see uh, by no means. And that, that sets up for a great spot to Maryland to kind of put their name on the map again. Look, if Maryland wins this game, I think there's no question that they're ranked. I would, I, I would agree with that. Um, because I also think if Maryland wins this game, you start to look towards, you know, even though, you know, you had Maryland losing to Purdue at home, I, I don't think that prediction stays the same for you right now. It definitely but, will uh, not. Not what I've seen from Aiden O'Connell and Purdue. Yeah, we'll get into that next week. But um, if Maryland starts to win this game, if Maryland wins this game and, and they win, you know, by more than one possession, the, the fan base might t- start to have some dangerous thoughts here. Yes, they will. And I think those already started after even a loss to Michigan. Yeah. But uh, yeah. All right. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Um, If you're going to be there, bring a raincoat, I guess. If, if you're not, just enjoy the game. It should be a great one. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week, wrapping up the Maryland-Michigan State game and talking about Maryland-Purdue, which is uh, next Saturday. So thanks for listening, everybody.